Welcome to The Navigationist, where we discuss and promote navigational strategies for underrepresented faculty and staff in higher ed. That means you. You belong in higher ed. And here on The Navigationist, we not only talk about why you belong here, but also how. How to assess impression management, including code switching. How to set yourself up for that next promotion. Reach your goals. Address microaggression. Identify covert racism. Change things at your college. Protect your ideals. And most importantly, how to protect yourself. And much, much more here on The Navigations. And we will say again and again, you belong in higher ed. So now, let's drop in on today's conversation with your host, myself, Dr. Jimmy Chapman. Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody doing today? Thank you so much. This is Friday and it's good to be here. And it's always good to my heart to uh, to uh, socialize with my other navigationists here in the clubhouse to discuss. And I find it very positive, beneficial and useful to talk about uh, navigational strategies. Uh, as I said before, I am Dr. Jimmy Chaffin, the host of the Navigationalist. My, like, I'm a lone host today. My colleague, Dr. Carolina Bailey, she's out to a meeting. My partner in research, she's out today. But I want to thank you all for joining us. And let me tell you, as always, I am not alone. I have my Navigationalist with me here to share the strategies to begin this conversation. But, but remember, remember that the mic is always open. And if you want to ask a question, please raise your hand and I will select you and I will bring you up to the mic. Um, if this is your first time here, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I am Jimmy Chapman and I made some mistakes in my past as far as trying to navigate higher education. But now I started asking questions, questions. And if I would have known now what I know, what I known earlier when I was younger, oh my God. And I think it is our job to share these activities for us all as underrepresented faculty and staff. Uh, we had uh, Shaquille Shahuri on the show. We had Dr. Karen Brown and, and Michelle Frazier, Trotman Scott on the show. Uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, Jackie Abrams on the show. And today we have Dr. Toby Jenkins on the show. So t- I am excited about what's about to happen. So before I start... Uh, let me tell you the rules. This is how it goes. First, I will read a question to our guest navigationist, which is Dr. Toby Jenkins. And we will read about three or four questions. And then I will pass the mic to the rest of the navigationists. And if you have anything to share, if any stories you want to share, if you have any questions you want to ask, please raise your hand. Interject. But remember, this is a conversation. So let me, first of all, um, introduce to the cast, uh, Dr. Toby S. Jenkins. How are you doing? Doing well. Excited. Excited about the conversation today. Oh, man, I'm excited as well. Uh, And you've been doing a lot of work uh, reading your bio. You publish uh, five books, usually focus on culture, diversity. Tell me a little bit about your, uh, your studies. Yeah, so much of my uh, work has focused on cultural inclusion in higher education. And so looking particularly at uh, culture, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I, I apologize. You're okay, so, okay. Um, yeah, looking at, um, at, first looking at what culture even means, how people conceive culture and uh, understand its utility so that we can better kind of understand um, 
what culture needs to look like Mm -hmm. on college campuses across the country. Um, But then also looking at uh, the ways that uh, that faculty, staff, students um, live, culturally live policies and um, experiences uh, and uh, so that we can all kind of better understand what um, what the lived environment is like mm-hmm. for all of us that occupy higher ed. Um, I, I think I shared before in one of our previous conversations that it's so important um, to understand that the health of all of us, the cultural health of all of us, uh, is really, really important in order for it to be a space that's um, that's healthy for students. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm including everyone that lives on the college campus um, or has a life on the college campus. Um, and then the other piece has been um, looking at not uh, privileging uh, just institutions and um, and educational settings as the only place where um, that have been um, um, beneficial or crucial in our success. Right. Um, so understanding what we learn from our cultures, what we learn from our communities, our families, um, understanding those as assets uh, and as important um, um, uh, sources of knowledge that we pull from in order to be successful. Um, that we don't just learn to be successful from, um, you know, from from uh, classrooms and and conference rooms and, and conferences, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, you know, one thing that sticks to my mind, you know, when we're talking about protecting our our ideals. Remember that conversation? Yes. And I think about that a lot about about how we deliver our creative ideas because I'm. I'm more than a vessel, a channel, how people steal your ideals and you never, and I, I think about that a lot. So I can't wait to go into mm-hmm. these questions. But, and we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, we have Dr. Nicholas Harlow, he's on here. We have Kiva. I see you, uh, Al, how you doing, Zakia? And I thank you for showing, joining. Anybody want to have a, have a question for us? Please just, um, raise your hand. So I'm going to go ahead and start it off. You ready? Everybody's ready? Ready? Ready. All right, let's do this. Okay. All right. For the first question. Hi, I've been working at the college for three months and they still leave my name off when they send important emails. I would say it happened maybe four times and they still get me confused with another African-American dean and we look nothing alike. How do I address this? This is an interesting one, and I like this one uh, 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 because it, it happens to me a lot. Here at the college that I work at, work at, I'm always getting confused with other African-American males, and I've and been here for a while. And, and then you, we play like it doesn't mean anything, but, and, but, but does it mean something? Are we just saying, are we just uh, gaslighting our experiences? What do you think, uh, Dr. Jenkins? Yeah, so, uh, you know, one, I, I think... Yeah, it, it it always matters. Um, uh, is it always some intentional negative um, slight? Um, you know, we can't never we can't ever say that um, anything is always anything. Right. Um, and um, but it definitely matters because we matter. So in any you know space or, or experience where you feel unseen, um, or not valued, um, that's important. And if you're coming away from it feeling that way, 
you know, that that's meaningful too. But, you know, as far as like when the person was asking like how to address this. Um, so a couple of things that I was thinking about was, and I, I shared this before, you know, I, I came into higher ed from PR. Mm-hmm. So I was a, a public relations um, uh, person before entering higher education. And, um, and that has really informed a lot of my approach uh, and the navigation of my career, um, because I understand that you don't, you do more than just promote organizations, institutions, programs, initiatives. Um, yourself is also an entity that needs to be promoted. And, um, and so I would say first promoting yourself as much as you can, right? So this is beneficial in general, in general, um, but it, it it's really essential to being valued and remembered on campus, right? Because the only way people can value you and remember you is if they know about you, is right. if they know you. You have to promote yourself. So um, you could promote the work that you are creating or initiatives that you're working on and make it seem like you're ensuring that everyone on campus is aware of it, um, that they're encouraging their colleagues or students to participate, you know, in it. Um, so you, you couch it in, you're promoting the thing, but you make sure that your name is always attached to it, that, right? That the email is coming from you so that folks can begin to like really associate you with the good work that they keep seeing. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, just like a, 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 a kind of low key strategy of, um, I, I shared before, like the same way that people are saying on social media that you always have to be present, like posting something or reposting something or whatever, just so that you're showing up in people's feet. That's how I feel, feel about email right, that, right. you know, I, I want my name to be in your inbox, you know? Um, and, uh, so, the, so that people are aware and they're associating my name with these things. Um, the other thing is, and we talked about this a little bit, I think that the last one was, um, being pr- as present as possible, um, and so that means showing up at meetings, gatherings and stuff like that. Um, and that when you show up that you don't just occupy space, right? So it's one thing to, to come to a meeting. It's another thing to talk, contribute and be vocal. Right. And so sometimes, um, uh, like I, I was just having a conversation with a, a, a friend of mine and, um, on campus, we're on the search committee and, um, we're, we're searching for a provost. And, and so it was like, you know, I was like, I don't even understand why, like, why am I here? Like, why, who did, you know, who sent this invitation for, to put me on this, uh, this, this committee. Um, but I, I understand that I, I really think it's, um, it's because someone had been in some meeting with me where they heard me talking and they were impressed, right. you know, because I'm a participator and, um, and I speak often, um, when, when, when I'm in meetings and, um, and, and people tend to to gravitate towards that, you know. So it's you can't just be a body or a butt in a seat. You've got to really contribute in a way that draws people to really pay attention to you. And when people pay attention to you, that's when they are start to remember your name and to associate your name with your face. And you know what I'm saying. And and, and everything. You're not just this. Um, uh, this this floater kind of in the background. Right. Um, and then I'd also say on the whole other end of it, that if it's in your capacity, like if you, in your capacity or your role there, you have the ability to just create 
you know, new things and just say, you know, I'm going to create this program or I'm going to run this training or I'm going to offer this, you know what I'm saying, type of thing or whatever. Because many of our jobs are like that. Um, so if it's in your capacity, I would develop an inclusive training session uh, for faculty and staff on this very topic. Uh, like racially confusing people, exclusion, and I, like help them to understand that this is a thing. And, um, and it's a thing that they need to be mindful of. And then make it real by telling your story. Oh, you know, and this often has happened to me in my career. It even happens here, right? And I guarantee you that they will start to kill themselves not to do that to you in the future, yeah. right? So, um, yeah. you know, do, like don't don't wait for someone else to address it. If it's something that's impacting you, it's worth your labor. Worth the you know labor. what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I remember. Yeah, it is. It's almost dangerous. I remember. Uh, uh, this uh, lady took me into the office and and she said, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. It's serious, serious. And I was like, oh my God, what is it? And she took me into this other man's office. And I'm like, why am I in this office? And she took me there. You know, it's just another African-American male. And she started talking to me about contracts and fund, funding and stuff like that. And then I finally said, hey, 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 that's not me. You know, so, <laughs> so like, hey, wait a minute. And, you know, it always took me. I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> but you, I understand what you're saying, because, you know, it, it, it does. We have to think about the intent of where is this coming from. But I believe uh, in promoting ourselves, presenting ourselves. I believe that's it is a part of our responsibility. And that's the reason we're talking about it. Oh, yeah. So what about the other navigations? What you all have to say about this? What about you, uh, Nick? I like what Dr. Jenkins said when she finished saying, you know, um, when she said that um, expression, you know, I've had this experience in my career. That's vital. That's vital. Um, and sharing that. I wanted to share something, though. At times, um, our identities, you know, because we're intersectional as an Asian male, um, I have certain privileges and um I've had experience where I was told, you know, tone down your productivity because it's threatening others. So that's kind of a, a fine line we walk. We, we definitely need to be showing up and um, sharing our work. But um, sometimes it can be a double-edged sword and, and be used um, and, and, and cause resentment. If you're being productive... Um, it can threaten others, especially if we're BIPOC scholars, um, you know, so that space and, and the climate. So what I, what I just shared, it, it, it's contextual. It depends on the institution, depends on the actors, the individuals. Uh, but, but what, uh, she shared about, uh, sharing that with colleagues, like this is experience I've had very powerful and I've used that, um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, she 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 put it nicely in, into words. I didn't really realize that I was doing that, but that's a powerful strategy, and um, we should use that more often. Right, right, yeah, and it has to be done. I like that as well. Um, but you know, so so we need to promote ourselves a little bit better. We need to uh, present ourselves a little bit better. Uh, we have to think about. Um, the uh, maybe presenting a workshop or presenting our story. And then you mentioned that about without stressing ourselves out. Now, a lot of people, when I say that, they they would say they really don't have time, their patience. 
Um, and, and then it's about that balance, that self, that balance between, between that. How do you, what do you say? How people say, well, I don't have time for that. That sounds like a lot of work, uh, for me to do something. I just want to be present in that space. Uh, yeah. And I guess that that's kind of why I ended my, um, like the last statement I made was that if it's something impacting you, right. it's, it's worth the labor. Right. The so, labor, you know, right. I think cause the, in, and, um, the the reality is that there's always so many negative things <laughs> going on at one time um that you know you we, we we're we're not able to tackle everything all at once and um and so you know my, one of my kind of you know mantras is to do what matters the most um and so yeah some of these little things or some of these things that 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 pop up in your department or on your campus or whatever um you might make that decision of you, you know look it, it, everything can't fall on me to address it and um and i i just want to you know show up for work and and um and i have a right to have an expectation um to to not encounter these things right um but we know that we are going to encounter some of those things. And so what I'm saying is in, in the long list of all of the I- issues that we confront right. on a daily basis, if this is one, if they, or there is one, it might not be this, it might be something else, but whatever that one is, that is really, really important to you is what I'm saying. Then that might be the thing that becomes worthy of your labor to begin addressing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and maybe you do one thing and, and it, it builds a, a something and it can be handed off to somebody else. So, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I absolutely feel that what's important to me has to be the most important thing for me. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm going to give my, devote my time to, um, uh, to working on, you know, some project that somebody else is assigned to me or whatever, why wouldn't I want to work on the thing that can change my professional life. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. I'm writing just mm-hmm. a page full of notes about everything you're saying, uh, Dr. Jenkins and uh, Nick. Anybody else on that stage? Anybody got anything to say? Anybody out there in the audience, clubhouse audience? If you do, just raise your hand and I'll bring you up stage or just speak out. This is a, a conversation. But on that note, if, if nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and go into uh, the the next question. Now, the, this next question is interesting to me because first, I didn't know it, it kind of, you know, I think it's very good and thoughtful. And it made me think about my uh, my uh, actions as a, as a male. Right. So it says, uh, hello, my name is Dr. Rodriguez. I am a proud mother of a beautiful baby boy. This joy was not without issues at work. They leave me out of projects saying they were trying to be considerate because I might be tired due to the pregnancy without even asking me, how do I address this benevolence bias? Um, it was interesting because I, I, I do this, I think. I think I do this. And I don't know. I'm just, it really made me self-reflect of how I behave or what, what do I do? Uh, certain, certain things that's uh, unconscious. That's what crazy is unconsciously I'm doing and I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And the thing is that um, 
you know, it really, depending on the context, it can be a, a good or bad thing, right? It really just depends on the person. So what might be um, offensive to one colleague might be welcomed by another, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's it's a, um, a fine line. It's, it really is a really interesting um, and important, I think, question that, that she raises. And so, you know, like, but I don't know, kind of for where I said, I'm like, okay, first, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, congratulations. Um, and so um, this question, it, it makes me, uh, I definitely, you know, personally understand it. So I'm a mom. Um, mm-hmm. And I can understand the the challenges of navigating, like, getting back to work. Um, and while trying to like manage this, like incredibly important responsibility, right. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a whole human being that you're responsible for now, not just like a work project. Um, and so, um, you know, me having a a seven year old son, my my son's seven and I'm still struggling, you know what I'm saying? I'm still struggling to, 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 um, to juggle it all. Um, but the first thing that I'll say, you know, and getting back to this, this whole thing of um, being human, um, and I'm not necessarily agreeing with the people, but, um, you know, I have personal experiences with, um, having developed lupus while working mm-hmm. in student affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I strongly believe that it, it, um, had a lot to do not, probably with the physical environment that I, I was in, um, was in a, a very cold place. Um, but then also that um that um i was overworking i was just pushing and pushing and pushing my body um to a point where it was just not healthy um and um and you know in any type of trauma physical trauma can trigger lupus right Right, some some women um you know develop it after childbirth or whatever it's just any type of like trauma and um and i really feel like it it was it was tied to the the overwork, the culture of overwork that I was doing and the way that I was pushing my body. And then I'm also a breast cancer survivor, okay. right? So I've had um, that experience of facing a potentially fatal um, diagnosis and really thinking about the end of life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, those those types of things impact how important being on every project, overworking and and, you know, and just doing everything is to me. Right. It's, it's just not. It's not. Um, and so I don't know. The reality is like institutions aren't um, they don't love us the way we love them. They aren't as committed to us as we are to them. Right. So if, if I died tomorrow, um, folks on my campus would definitely grieve. Like, I'm not even going to lie about that. Like they would they would be distraught. Um, they would grieve. You know, they, they probably host a little memorial or something like that. They give my family. Some were a really nice gift, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then they would move on. You know what I'm saying? Like they they would replace me eventually. Like I don't think they would be disrespectful and replacing me like the next week. But eventually, they're going to um, replace me. Um, and the reality is, your child can never replace his mom. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, for me, staying centered on those that matter the most. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's a good good to have colleagues who are giving you grace and allowing you to be a human being um, and be able to take in this experience beyond just the three months of maternity leave, right? Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of places that are like, oh, your three months are up, back at it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, rather than recognizing that, no, this is a whole experience. Like this entire 
first few years, like how much a child um, um, tra- changes and transforms from the time they're born to the time they're five years old. Like it is amazing. That's the most, most evolution that you're ever going to have in your lifetime. Like for, you know, from 45 to 50, I'm really not changing that much, but from zero to five, they change dramatically. It's so much um, growth and learning. And that's an important time to be able to, um, to take it in and to be, you know, to be present. You know, you know, so (laughs) yeah. But but this reminds me that I have, I have, as you talk, I'm thinking about, and I, um, and I wish she was here. My colleague, uh, Dr. Carolina Bailey, um, ambitious, very ambitious uh, mm-hmm. person. Uh, think about the career she has a big, but they're ambitious in there, and it makes me think how you have to, even if you're pregnant, you have to think about your career, concerned about your career while you're pregnant, the things that you have to deal with, and, and but then, but it also makes me think about. Uh, the uh, the other bias related to this uh, can be related to this benevolent bias. Like um, you can't do this, or uh, like you kind of kind of assumptions. You, you, yeah, yes. you can't do this, uh, Doctor Jenkins. You don't want to do this. You need to do this. Oh, mm-hmm, you don't want to mm-hmm. do this. And then even how they do underrepresented, or even how they might place you in the career because of that, or you might want to mm-hmm. be. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. so. And it's, yeah. it's interesting how that, that bias, that's how it looks to me. Yeah, it does. It does. And so I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not um, not acknowledging the bias, but I am acknowledging the ways that um, uh, that we also need to change our mindsets around allowing ourselves to be human yeah. Um, yeah. and not being so hyper-focused on the career, the institution, the, you know what I'm saying, or whatever, because like I said, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, those things... Um, uh, matter less than the people, you know what I'm saying, in your life. Um, right, but right, right. I will say that I think the, the biggest thing is you getting ahead of it. So as opposed to allowing other people to decide what you can and can't get involved in and what's, you know, whatever, what you can or can't do, um, you taking time to decide like what projects actually matter the most to you. Right. So if you ate a list of all that's going on um, or all the things that they haven't included you in, um, and I'm sure that there are going to be some that are really important to you. And you're like, I really want it to be a part of that. And that there might be some that you're kind of like fine with not being involved in. Right. right. Um, and so though the point is that you don't want to be left out or you don't want to have the decision made for you. Right. Instead of allowing you to make the decision, like, you know, give me the opportunity to turn it down. But I do think we need to consider that some folks and, and Jimmy, this kind of gets to what you're saying about like, Am I doing this? But honestly, some people are being, you know, in trainings, we're teaching people to um, to stop putting the onus for declining work on the employee. Right. That because that puts them in a bad situation where they have to ask for grace instead of you just giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So so good diversity training is teaching people don't even don't 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 do that to them. Like, you know, what I'm saying build it in. To that there's a slow transition back. You know what I'm saying? Instead of having to have, make the person ask for e- e- extra time or a little whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because that puts them in the situation of feeling bad, of, of feeling like they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're asking for special, you know, whatever. So a lot of people might be thinking that they're doing um, a good space to give like real space and time to real life. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, and I think that's, that's just something to consider, but I would say be proactive and identify those things that you feel are important to your career advancement Yes, and um, directly contact the folks leading those opportunities and ask to become a part. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't even have to wait to be excluded from or, you know, what I'm saying or whatever. You can really identify like, you, you know, this is my next. And I know that I need to have these particular type of experiences or be involved in this. Or I know even if it's not your about your career advancement, it could just be um I know that this is happening on campus, like on my campus, you know, and there's, there's a future projection of we're going to um, build a new student union. Right. I want to be if I want to be involved in that, let me start te- telling people now. You know what I'm saying? Like w- w- when y'all form the committee, I, I will. I w- I'm really interested in being on that committee. Right. Um, right. And contacting some people proactively and letting them know. So um, that way you don't have to worry about them making assumptions about whether what you have time for and what you don't. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you're putting yourself um, into the spaces and particularly into the spaces that are most important for you, as opposed to, because um, what you don't want to be is fully back, everybody volunteering you for everything and half of it is stuff that you don't even want to do. <laughs> Yes, yes, you're right about that. You're right about that. Yeah, but I say, you know, like honestly, like it's never going to get easy. Um, it's going to continue to be a a juggle. Um, you're going to have to juggle your time more and more. Um, and the reality is, like kids grow, and they start having their own schedules too. Like I joke all the time, like my son needs to have his own like personal assistant and manager all his little activities and stuff. And you know, I'm the ride. You know, he's seven. He's not driving himself anywhere. Um, and so that means my time is um, is uh, is also um, taken. So I would say start now learning to be strategic about where and how you spend your time at work. Right. And and, and like I said, being proactive about it. Right. Right. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, any, anything else from the other navigations? Anything experiences like that? You know, the the. You, you talk about that situation with the woman who, the female who um, had the child and, um, you know, sexism, there is there is a term in feminist studies called benevolent sexism, BS. Mm-hmm. And so the BS um, emanates, the strategies that Dr. Jenkins said um, really resonate with me. Um, as a department chair, I have a faculty member who's on sabbatical. And um, but prior to the sabbatical, I had intimate conversations with her. I said, well, you know, you're on sabbatical. Um, do you want to be taken off emails? She said, no, I don't. I, I want to stay on the email so I know what's going on. I said, I, I, I respect that. Um, you know, trying to delineate, you're on sabbatical. How do you want your sabbatical to be? How can we not intrude in your your space because you know it's one of you know rest and rejuvenation you're going to be doing your own work um but then having a retreat um you know we invited her and she wanted to participate so it kind of gets to you know maybe those folks in the case were saying hey you just had a baby we're trying to respect you but i think it all boils down to is trust and belonging and history folks of color, we have to be paranoid and suspicious because these institutions historically 
have given us um, mistrust. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you might you might be on sabbatical and you come back and they made some key votes when you were gone uh, that impact your program. You know, they might, you know, some insidious things. And so that's why it's vital for the faculty and staff to petition for their needs. But then also it's wonderful when we have leaders who understand this and they can be proactive and it builds kind of this this sense of belonging. Um, Because, as Dr. Jenkins said, you know, the institutions, they will replace you <laughs> quickly <laughs> and the work will continue. And so um, a lot of research on on these um, these boundaries and, and um, also how having a child really sets women back. And, and, and there again, as, as a male who uh, biologically cannot have a baby, you know, I'm privileged in that, in that realm. Um, so it's important that these communications happen and there's some strategizing going on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. The, the, um, the idea of like, um, as a leadership, uh, proxy, like asking, how do you want this situation to go? You know, whether it's a sabbatical or whether it's coming back, off of a, a maternity leave and that transition, um, like e- even if you know you're you're trying to acknowledge, you know we we understand that just because your maternity leave is like officially ended, <laughs> we understand that it's still a process, and so we wanted to give you um, some grace. But how do you want that to be? How do you want that to look? I love that. Um, you know, because I, I think it's so true um, that we we need to allow people um, to set their own parameters. Yeah, it sounds so uh, centered, centered on uh, each person's lived experience. Tell us how you want to do that. And and, and it should do that for in, in a lot of areas for that person to be their experience, to be the center of how we create these policies, procedures or around it. And I, I like that idea as well. Um, well, well, also, Jimmy, also, yeah. Jimmy, I might say, um, you know, when I came to Berea, I said, look, I got. To, to Dr. Um, Jenkins' point, I got kids, you know, and the the alignment of my schedule does not align well with higher ed. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's why you might be seeing me on email at one in the morning. So I'm going to get my time in, the work's done, but uh, I got to get my kids to school. I have extracurriculars because as she said, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband. Um, I have all of these mm-hmm. ki- competitions, but I'm going to still, I'm going to need flexibility. And I think with COVID, it really showed institutions like um, this whole notion of hybridity of, of schedule, um, you know, teaching online or, or teaching face-to-face. I think BIPOC faculty, not even just BIPOC faculty, all faculty, staff feel like they belong when people understand that they're more than they're just their job. And so how can you be a flourishing professor? Well, you can be a flourishing professor if people respect your family time and allow you to have a schedule that works um, for you. Uh, and that's where that's where this whole notion of higher ed has gone so wrong. It used to be, it, it still is kind of this normed of uh, a male perspective, you know, um, go to, you know, after dinner, go to the den and read and do the writing when, when all the childcare is being done by, 
by a, a female, you know, and so mm-hmm. these mix, you know, it's, it's problematic. Um, it's problematic. So it's, it's magical when maybe we can schedule classes that allow young faculty with growing families to, you know, that um, work with their childcare, you know, if there's a daycare on campus or whatnot. And older faculty, it's nice that they're kind of, they understand this and encourage that support as opposed to saying, well, I'm not teaching that eight o'clock lecture because I don't want to get up that early, you know? And so that's important for leaders to, to do and then also for faculty to, to advocate for themselves. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's like being a community. You know, mm-hmm. like like functioning and acting like a, a, a real, um, you know, community. Uh, you, um, you, some of my my um, women colleagues always um, we joke. They joke about like, you know, I need I need a wife because um, if I had a wife, I'd be able to be more productive at, at my job. <laughs> but the um, but the reality is like that's true for me as a faculty member with all of the the, the expectations for work production and publishing and, and, and doing all this stuff, writing and stuff. But the reality is um, from six o'clock on at night until my, my son is, you know, from like five to um, nine, I'm not doing anything um, because I'm focused on on our bedtime and, 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 and dinner and mm-hmm. homework and all that. And um, and on the weekends. I don't work at all. You know what I'm saying? Like our schedule is so packed with him. I do not work at all. Right. So the, uh, the fact that uh, I forget how many you said, you said like I'm publishing like five books and like, that's a miracle. Like, how do you do that? And, and not work on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, um, mo- a lot of people are, are used to like, like um, Nicholas is saying the way that higher ed is set up, it, it, it almost, it, it, you have to do that. You have yeah. to work at night. You have to work on the weekends mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so it's incredibly difficult to manage without doing that. Yeah. Wait, we have a, uh, we have a, someone from the audience, Die. Is that how you say it, Di? You want to share, experience, ask a question? Yes. Hi, uh, this is D. Wu. D. Wu. Um, Sorry about that. D. Wu. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. So, um, I just want to sh- <clears throat> share a story of my friends because um, we were uh, both, we were born and raised in China and now we are uh, living and working in the United States. Uh, my friend is working in a cultural environment though. However, um, she got pregnant um, like a couple months ago and she works in a company that's like really uh, focus on overwork culture. So when she got pregnant, she got a feeling that she wants to have more grace from her coworkers. Mm-hmm. However, it seems like everybody's just treating her like normal person. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like totally different from our own culture, um, from, from East, uh, especially in China. Um, you know, when a pregnant woman are, like in the public place, uh, for example, in a subway, uh, people will like give seats to a pregnant woman, um, you know, to give more grace to those uh, women. Um, however, it seems like it's a little different culture here in the United States. So I'm just wondering, like in our professional work environment, so if I have a coworker who is pregnant, is that 
is is that okay? I ask her like, how can I best support you? Is that going to be mm. offensive or not? Mm. Good question. Yeah, how could we support? What do y'all think? Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, you know, very similar to that that whole thing of um, you know, recognizing that we all have different experiences and needs, um, and and ways of feeling. Um, valued and and um, and seen and and like I said, you know what's offensive to one might be embraced by another, right? So in recognizing um, that diversity, uh, allowing like treating people individually, I, you know, I, I think that's a, a um, the common denominator uh, of of uh, what both colleagues have said that um, asking the person what they need the most and what um, will be um, most beneficial. Uh, but I think at least in even in asking that, there's an acknowledgement of the person as a human being and that we are all a part of a community, you know, and that we care. Um, but yeah, but without making the decision ourselves. Right, right. Good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Anybody else want to chime in? I do. I actually have quite a bit to say about this. Um, so I, my name is Kiva. I am a mother of two children, and the first thing that I wrote down when I heard about Dr. Rodriguez is, they mean well. That quote, they mean well. Basically, that is saying, deal with it. This is how it is. And that came to my mind because I have experienced kind of like what um, Dai said um, over in China when pregnant women get grace automatically i didn't get that um for example i was in a grocery store in active labor doubled over my cart i just i needed my ginger cookies and my ginger ale Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i was having contractions deep breathing everybody around me with full carts just went about their business nobody said you know come over to my lane i have a big cart you only have two things the workers didn't do anything so again i found that um, where's the, they mean well, when you, when you need it. Um, so the other thing with what Dr. Rodriguez is going through is setting boundaries that also came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, as women, we often, often have to do that, uh, especially with children, right. because, um, like this conversation is, you know, you should see my notes. It's back and forth. It's, yes, I do need that grace or no, don't treat me with white gloves. I, you know, I'm not going to break. I'm, I'm a mom, you know, I got this. <laughs> so it's just back and forth. But I think setting boundaries and just saying, this is what I want to do. This is what I can do. And this is what I cannot do at the moment. You know, instead of just, I can't do this at the moment, I cannot participate in this. It, I think it'll really help. Right. Just that overall atmosphere and interaction with coworkers. Thank you for that, Kiva. Thank you for that. Thank you. Anybody else want to chime in on that? I love this conversation. Dee, thank you so much. Thank you for so much for asking that. And stay in touch. Make sure you follow us, okay? Will do, will do. All right, all right. All right, on that note, I'm gonna go to the to the next question. Uh, this could be our last. This is a very interesting question as well. Um, hello, my name is Professor Regina. Lately, my supervisor has hinted to me 
that I should change my appearance for people to take me seriously. I sometimes wonder if this is a genuine advice. It only adds to another one of my complexes. Hashtag ignore them. Am I right? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I wish I knew the supervisor that relationship because that would. But, you know, I hear this often. I hear this. I have heard a person tell a person to put on a tie or slacks. I've heard of maybe a supervisor, person of color, and a person that a white supervisor probably to tell a, a, a woman maybe to dress, how to dress. I mean, we see this often, right? And this is this is interesting. I like to assume that this is coming from a mentor because the person is trying to like a mentor and say, hey, maybe you need to dress up, Jimmy, Dr. Jimmy Cheffin. Maybe you need to put on a suit, right? What do you all think about this? Hmm. So I love the little hashtag. I never saw the hashtag ignore them. <laughs> I'm never start using that. Yeah, I, I'm um, like, let me do, you know, it's interesting. Dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, um, we, we, I think we touched on this a little bit, that last conversation. Uh, so this is a, 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 a topic that's a thing for me. Um, and, um, but I think particularly like focusing on this particular question, um, I, I, I don't doubt that it, the advice is probably very genuine to the person giving it. Right. And, um, it, and it may be a, 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 a real, like a very true read of the culture of your, of your institution. Right. So that, that's one thing. Um, and so I would say that, um, then the person would need to decide two, two things, right? So first is when it comes to this person giving you the advice, do you want to move in your career in the same way this person does? Like, do you see them and say, that's what I want? Mm -hmm. And if not, I don't take, don't take all advice that's given to you, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I only listen to people I respect. Um, and so the other question is, do you really want to be at an institution where professionalism is a costume, right? So, you know, in, in, that depends because it, 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 it's a, really a, a question about the culture of the institution, about the culture of the institution. So, um, make it work long enough to get to the next opportunity, um, but decide if this is the right culture for you and, um, and if you should start making moves to leave, mm -hmm. right? Cause sometimes the best advice is to get gone and, um, and be well rather than trying to assimilate and, and, um, and make it work. So, um, personally, like I'm, I'm someone who literally is on the other side of this advice. So you can ask anyone on my campus. I show up to executive meetings with driver's caps and kangles on. I have on a, a, a head wrap and a cat and a, um, <laughs> a kangle right now <laughs> as I'm talking to y'all. Um, and so, but understand, like, I'm not just doing that because I'm like, oh, forget them. I wear what I want to wear. Um, I understand that I can do this because I have power to harness. And, um, and you know, and, and, and that's an important thing. So I go back to, like, my participation in meetings is outstanding. So folks get past what I'm wearing really quickly because 
what comes out of my mouth is brilliance. Right. And they just stop focusing on ridiculous stuff. Right. Um, I, you know, I just wrote um, a book called the hip hop mindset and it's, it's about to be published. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, the, the book is about viable success strategies that we can glean from hip hop culture. Right. Right. And so one of the things is authenticity mm-hmm. and the, the focus on like your true talent and genius rather than like wearing business attire or, or business casual, or, you know, if that's you, that's you, but if it's not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the reality is at, at some level that, that those are our, our costumes um, that have nothing to do with the work that you actually produce. Exactly. And so you, you, you see like this in pop and in, um, in some really popular corporations, right. In other industries that employees are, are being allowed to just show up comfortable so they can really focus on doing good work. Right. Right. They get to the meat of what's really important. It's not what you're wearing, but what you're doing. Right. Right. And so in my book, I, I interviewed one of my um, dear colleagues and, and, and we were talking about this and he, he said something like, um, I mean, if, if you want to sit here and talk about my jeans and sneakers, we can do that. You know, that's a conversation, but I really want to talk about student development. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so you, you can go buy a bunch of different suits but if your work is average, if you're sitting in your department and no one knows your name or what you're doing, then what you are wearing isn't going to help you. Um, now, that said, I know you're not going to show up in an Adidas tracksuit to like a fancy fundraiser or something like that. Right. You you know, dress <laughs> appropriately. Uh, okay. But if we're talking about a day to day, train people on what matters and how you want them to see you. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I, I do. I make some very um, intentional decisions about, you know, because like whenever you start a new job, you, it's a decision point. And so I'm like, well, you know, I could start dressing a particular way and, and get people used to seeing me that way. Or I could go ahead on and train them <laughs> to be getting get used to seeing me looking in these very different ways. But at some point, ignoring all of it because they recognize what I contribute. Yeah, and and they really, when they see me, they see my work production uh-huh. and not necessarily what I have on. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love what you're saying, you know, um, a few things, you know, I think out of all this stuff, like we have to uh, discern advice from people, right? We have to make sure, you know, don't take advice from anybody. I know when I arrived on campus, you get bad advice from people of color, other people. You get advice, discern your advice. And I love of, you know, professionalism is not a costume. And it makes you think. And I, I, and I think you hear pop. I thank you for sharing that, that. That's what they brought. How we should be authentic. It's not about how I dress. It's about what I'm going to put on the table, show you what I do. I, I love that. Uh, anybody else have anything to add to say uh, about this question? Because I, I think that is what you said is is pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty thoughtful. I remember when. Yeah. I- and I, I mean, I think, it, you know, just about like when you talk about hip hop, I mean, I go back to, you know, people created a, a billion dollar global industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Wear right. sneakers and jeans and, you know, et cetera. Um, and so, and, and yeah, that, that has become a, that's the culture of that culture. That's the look of that culture. Um, mm-hmm. But they could have gone the the different route. 
you know, respectability politics and thinking that they needed to, um, you know, follow the Motown way. You know right. what I'm saying? And, right. and dress up and, and, and everything. But they didn't. And, and people now are trained. Like when you go into a space, whether it's an academic space talking about hip hop or an entertainment space, mm-hmm. you expect people to look that way. You know what I'm saying? Like whether they're a professor or uh, a performer, you expect them and it's okay for them to look that way. And so that's what I'm saying. Like at at some level, I'm just so tired of us privileging the values of other cultures when we have created our own cultures of brilliance and freedom Mm -hmm. and we don't um, uh, uh, pull on those. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we're about to come to the end of our time. Um, before I go, I want to say, uh, Dr. Jenkins, I want to tell you, thank you for joining the Navigationist in the Clubhouse. Thank you so much. I want to reach out to the Navigationist in the, uh, with me in the circle. Thank you all for joining me. How did, you, y'all, did y'all like it? This was cool, right? And and I want to say, uh, Dee, thanks you for joining us, asking us questions. You can join us anytime. Just follow us. And I see you carrying out there. How you all doing? So I want to thank you all for joining us, Navigationist in the Clubhouse. Look out for us in April. Uh, if you have a question for us, always go to greenbookforhariot.com, email me or anything. Thank you all for joining us and I'm with you all uh, a good night, a good day. <laughs> Talk to you all later. Take care. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Navigationless with your host, Dr. Jimmy Cheffin, where we deliver strategies and tools for underrepresented faculty and staff that you can use today because you belong in higher ed. Let us know how we can help you. So let's stay connected. Please follow us on LinkedIn, The Navigationalist, or myself, Jimmy Cheffin. And for more information about booking The Navigationalist and to submit questions for our next show, please visit our website, greenbookforhighered.com. This has been a joy. Again, never forget, you belong in higher ed.